Now is the time to bring new ideas to your industry. And T-Mobile for Business has the advanced 5G solutions to make that happen. We're helping rethink patient-doctor interactions with real-time data sharing. We're tracking carbon with 5G sensors to help fight climate change. We're partnering with cities to connect roadways, cars, and drivers to minimize injuries. Disruptive thinking deserves a disruptive partner. So let's get started on what's next for your business. Step up your innovation at T-Mobile.com slash now. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Get your process down. First of all, you have to have some desire, which I'm stealing right out of Napoleon Hill right now. What's your desire? What's your plan to get after it? And you have to have some sort of steps to go after that. Each one of the successes I've had, and oh, by the way, I've had a couple of swings and misses. It's fair. Who hasn't? Those swings and misses were where I got off process and procedures and didn't do the things that I espouse in Park Tips. Show up, be nice, be organized, be on time, look good, be courteous, be kind. All those simple things. Welcome back to Bucketless Careers. I'm Crystal Laurie. This is episode 121. Neil Rogers, my guest today, is a recently published author of the book Bar Tips, Everything I Needed to Know in Sales, I Learned Behind the Bar. And I was immediately attracted to the concept of having him on the show, having been a bartender myself and server in a restaurant back in the day when I was a struggling cub reporter. You learn a lot about yourself and other people doing that job. The book and this episode delves into his multi-pivot journey from bartending at Tia's and Boston Sail Loft to salesperson. We talk about the hospitality industry, struggling through school, but finding his way, sales performance, and how bartending prepared him for the corporate world and as a VP of a small business. There's a lot of wisdom in this episode for you if you're seeking more meaning in a new professional space and also broader life lessons on finding your purpose, taking an unconventional path. All right, let's listen in. Neil Rogers, thank you so much for taking the time to be on Bucketless Careers. Oh, Krista, thank you for having me. This is lovely. Well, you've obviously found your Bucketless career doing what you're doing now as a paid speaker. I like to ask my guests right off the bat, why? What is it about this that fuels you more than what you've ever done professionally? Well, it dovetails with the book I just published. That's really where I kick it off. I've been playing around with speaking and Toastmasters and all that and trying to get my chops down. So I really enjoy it. I have a simple message that resonates. It's one that I'm happy to share. I've mentored a number of young men using these tactics and it's done really well. Absolutely. And we're going to talk more about bar tips, everything I needed to know in sales. I learned behind the bar. Love that title, by the way. Thank you. But first, we want to dial it back a little bit. I want to walk through your career evolution, you know, highlighting your pivotal moment, which we know came in your first job as a bartender. Yeah, it was after a couple of swings and misses at college, right? <laughs> I wasn't a very good high school student. I suppose you, you, with, I did some things well, but I always joke that my combined SAT scores and my class rank had one thing in common, both in the triple digits. <laughs> and literally being the seventh of eight of an Irish Catholic family, Everybody was a little tired by the time I rolled around. And it's not like it is today where we're planning our kids from DNA right up until they head off to college or where are they going to go? What are we going to do? What position are they in at basketball? What are we doing? It's like the craziest stuff. That is so true. And my husband is the youngest of five Irish Catholic family, same situation. Ah, there you go. 
Oh, he knows all about it. And he laughs at how much we as parents have to do around the clock these days compared to back then. But that's your background. School wasn't necessarily your thing. Walk us through it from there. So May of my senior year, at 17 years old, so I graduated young, which was not helpful. I asked my mother, is there something I should be doing next year? Literally. (laughs) I had no no plan. Zero. Yeah, why don't you go to college? All right. So I jumped in on a community college. And basically, that was a continuation of the same types of courses I had been working. And I didn't do bad. I just had no interest. Yeah. And all the while, I was working in the hospitality business, working in the kitchen. I, then I went out front of the house and went into uh, bar backing. And when I'm looking at the bartenders, I'm going, now that looks cool. Let me try that. So I'm not looking for a career or whatnot. I'm going after it because it looked cool. Fair enough. My friend and I started doing some private parties. And then that summer, I set my sights on a bar job uh, where I knew the guy who was going to start running the place called The Full Sail in Whitehouse Beach. So I went down, it was a small place, and it was only three bar jobs, and they were all taken. He said, but I'll give you five nights on the door. All right, so now I'm checking IDs, getting ice, doing all the bar backing stuff too. And then he finally, he said, the woman that had the day job didn't want it. I said, sure, I'll take it. So now my self-esteem's a little low because of the swing and miss at school. I really still don't have any direction yet. So when I pulled that first drink and put it in front of the person, they took the sip and they said, geez, that's pretty good. So I was like, hold on. Yeah. And you remember that moment. Oh, and this is all, in fact, it was interesting. We were talking about how when you started your podcast, COVID. I mean, it's always in retrospect during COVID. The whole project, the whole book was good memories and great thoughts and, and then how things happened. And you know what? You had that space, right? That pause. Obviously, all, all society right. like was grinding to a halt then to take that moment and remember and go back. And that's the beginning of your book. Interesting. Okay, so keep going. I came to realize pretty quickly that was not going to be my life's work. I wasn't excited about working weekends for the rest of my life. I think it's an honorable profession if you do it well. If you do it well and you're a good server, I'm there. I'm sure you guys have your favorite servers, your bartenders, whatever that may be, and you gravitate to that. Food might not be as good, the drinks, but you know what? They're nice to you. And that's all the, it's yeah. the simplicity of it. And it is a tough business, by the way. I was a bartender. Oh, so yeah, so you get When it. I was an aspiring reporter, and I feel like everybody should do that job for a period of time in their life and have an understanding of how tough it is. (laughs) Oh, goodness me. There's a great quote in the book I take from Anthony Bourdain. It's really quite cool. So hopefully everybody buys it and reads it. But it really has to do with those lessons learned there outpaced anything I learned in school. And I think that's valid. I think everything isn't always taught in a classroom. But then you got into sales and marketing. So tell me about that transition. And then we can talk more about the actual lessons in the book that I want to dig into. So when I was contemplating and I was moving on to other places and more high volume places in Boston and whatnot, I still was taking a dab at school here and there. I actually took a swing and a miss at the hotel restaurant management school. And that's when I realized I didn't want to do it. But though I would talk to people and say, you know, with your, with your interpersonal skills, I think sales would be right for you. So I said, boy, that sounds good. And then I started talking to people that were in sales. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of money. At this. Oh, cool. Maybe this is the path. I've had my aha moment in serving people. I can serve people in other ways. It's okay. So I put together a plan. I knew I had to get a degree. And I came up with a little bit of a process to be good at school. Like, they like you to show up. They want you to listen. They want you to take notes. They want you to show up office hours. You want to do the extra work give you the benefit of the doubt if you do the extra projects and this, that, and the other thing. And that's how I I became a very, not as good as Cam was, but 
I, was, I got pretty good. So I was like a 385 student after flunking out twice. Yeah. So awesome. That's a great transformation for you. Yeah. So I, I just finished up school and then I went out and started working in the food business. So I went from bartending to selling wholesale to retail foods or work for a distributor and use very much of the same type of process that I did in school, right? Which was show up, be well presented, be organized. And these are all the things that we talk about in the book. And those things propelled that. So that little job I was doing, they gave me $3,000 in business a week, which equates to about nothing in commissions. Let's say that's a $150,000 territory. And I turned it into 1.5 million in 18 months. Amazing. And fast forward, you have more than three decades of experience well, right now, yeah. under your belt and sales and marketing, let's see, pharmaceutical, biomedical manufacturing. I mean, there's, there's a long list here, financial services and more. You own your award-winning company, Rogers Marketing, and you've authored this book. So way too much for us to go through every phase of that career evolution. But I think we now talk about here and now, and let's grab a few of those, the simple business lessons learned from behind the bar. I think that we can obviously gain something for our listeners, for this community, Bucketless Careers, in terms of reinventing yourself and transferring your skills. But just share a little bit about, I, I know you want us to get the book and I'm, I can't wait to read it. Give us a little preview, if you will. So in the food business, I worked with this guy, Jim Gallagher, and he's acknowledged in the book. The chapter on that is taking ownership when business problems arise. Because he said to me, he was kind of a, he was a great guy. He, he's still a great guy. Actually, I delivered his book to him. I signed it for him. He was all verklempt. He really was like thrilled, right? <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was a good moment. So he was a little bit of a wise guy, gave you a rib here and there, this, that, and the other thing. I used to bartend his holiday parties. You got him in front of a customer though, different guy. He was just pro, pro. He understood what their needs were. He understood how they buy. He knew when to add an item, those types of simple things. Reading people is part of it. So that's another part of the whole reading people like a book that you learn from being, as you may recall, from being a, a server. And he looked at me one day and, and he gave me a number of things, but this one resonated. He said, whenever anything goes wrong, start here first. What was my role in this? How could have I placed the order better? Let's not blame the guy on the truck. Let's not blame the guy, the guy or gal in the, in the warehouse. Maybe the customers, are, guess what? It still falls on you. Now, how do you solve it without alerting the customer and making them feel like maybe your company's inept and you just go solve the problem? The reason I feel like it was such a great tidbit of advice because people essentially want to be right. And being right is overrated. All right, you think you're right, and you know, it just doesn't work out. And because you always have, and I've had this discussion with other people, you know, especially people that are still in the restaurant business, because they get, you know, they're forever getting, oh, this was too cold, that was too hot, we didn't get this. Okay, great, got to solve those little problems. And so I, I said, I go from the premise, the old adage, that the customer is always right. I was going to mention that. I, I wasn't sure if you were going to call that cliche, but I like this whole, like, don't do the blame game and see what needs to change from your end. That's the toughest hurdle to, to jump because yeah. ego gets in the way. But I think the simple lessons are don't forget to properly greet somebody. You know, I mean, be an active listener. Don't be looking to give them all your knowledge. Try to beat them. Oh, I know you're looking for it. Here it is. Don't talk over them. Don't one better them. Do you know what a one better is? Oh, a one up. Yeah, sure. I tell yeah. you a story. Yeah. I got one better. <laughs> hate those people. Right. It goes on all the time, though. It goes on all the time. Totally. The old adage there, two ears, one mouth. Use them in at least that proportion, if not less. 
listen. And this is all, I mean, I quote him directly in the book, Dale Carnegie, smile, listen, get them to talk about themselves. How is your organization? I don't mean how's your, what's your structure of your organization? What is your organization? How do you organize yourself? When you show up, are you well presented? Do you know what you're talking about? Do you have your talking points? If it, what, is it a 15 minute intro meeting? How are you going to get everything you need done? We happen to have all that stuff in place. When I was in the food business, talking to chefs, and you may recall this from your server days, they don't want to talk. That's <laughs> true. They're, they can be grumpy people, right? And so the new guy comes walking in to try and sell him something. But I would make sure I was just, hey, just want to stop by, drop off my specials, yada, 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 and then kill them with kindness and stay in front of them by making sure. So when they did ask me a question, I knew what the produce prices were today. I knew what the meat price, so I knew what the shrimp price, what's on deal. I also knew what I was getting spiffed on, which was the extra case, bucket case I might get. So I made sure to always ask, how's your 14-ounce bottle of ketchup? Because I know I'm getting a bucket case. Well, that's interesting. Like, So you're saying organization in general is so powerful and valuable in sales and marketing business. Also to a founder, a lot of the profile of the people who are listening to this podcast, a lot of people thinking about starting a new business, starting a new company. So why would you say organization is critical for that in terms of getting off the ground? It's all in how you show up. It's all about appearance. I mean, do you know what you're talking about? If you come in disheveled in your papers or whatever, even if you're doing it on computer, I don't do anything on computer. Everything is still paper for me, given a little old school. But I mean, I want to also leave it behind too. So I call this stuff all the blocking and tackling stuff. So proper greeting, organization, time management. Do you want to be known as the person who shows up late? Because it, it, it only takes once. Totally. Oh, yeah. Always on. Oh, never on, always canceling. Never on time. And that can happen out of the gate. I was just talking to a buddy of mine the other day. His, his wife does work for us in Rogers Marketing. He's a manager for pharmaceutical reps. I said, have you read the book? He goes, no, I haven't read it yet, but I'm not much of a reader. I said, okay, no worries. So we started talking about concepts. And he goes, yeah, there are people in his organization that are still struggling from their initial impression with management. Did you show up on time? Were you well presented? Did, were you clean shaven? A lot of slid these days in terms of that stuff. You can never be overdressed. You can't be too clean. How you present yourself is everything. Yeah. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. 
because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at tmobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. So, Neil, you and your wife, Lori, have partnered on projects. Yes. I know that. And I love that, by the way, that you work well together professionally, obviously, personally, Mm -hmm. as well. So tell me about what you two have achieved together. Uh, You created something called the positive activity process. So let's start there. In 2008, for all those entrepreneurs out there or salespeople or not, things weren't all that great. So we're all concerned, how are we going to pay the bill? We're a small business and whatnot. We didn't go to nothing. We had business, but we had Cam was in school and, and we have a special needs child that's Cam's older brother. Lori was getting worried about it and anxious about it. And my daughter, who's the oldest, she's 34, she had, had just gone through a head career-ending head injury and she was a division hmm. one cross player. Sorry about that. Oh, she's doing great though. Now she's um, oh, good. She's, um, matter of fact, just went to Italy for six weeks. So she, Oh, yeah. no way. Yeah. Oh yeah. My daughter is in a semester abroad program in Florence right now, oh, as good. we speak. <laughs> so yeah. Very nice. So anyways, he, she had with her head injury or concussion, she got really into mindful behaviors. What got her through the you ready wait for it, nine months she couldn't drive or go anywhere was Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. So don't worry about the past. Don't think about the future live in the present moment. She saw this little festival, what do you want to call it? I think it was a show, of these practitioners that were in a local hotel. So she asked Lori to go with her. So Lori did. And Lori was just enthralled with all the people that she met and changing your mindset and this, that, and the other thing. It started there. We started getting into books like The Four Agreements, one of, the, one of our favorites is The Happiness Advantage, written by Sean Acor. Mm-hmm. That we gleaned a lot of the initial parts of positive activity from those books. Positive activity defined is the practice, because we're yogis, of getting your mind right in a place of positivity, which leads you to open-minded, solution-providing, divergent thinking, creativity. So you no longer see problems you only see solutions, creative solutions. And that leads to, naturally, productivity. What are your steps in that productivity? And you could put anything in there after you've got your mind. So what yeah, am I trying so to accomplish true. after that? And what's my process to do it? And we got that. We got the whole process part by, as I described to you, how I got good at school. The book is all about process. We're big thinking, grow rich people. So we went through the whole Think and Grow Rich book and we did the workbook and all that. And we got into the process of reading the stuff in the morning, meeting at night, and it worked. It changed our mind. The steps that we have are business development steps. And they are the ones that we've used, tried and true, that I picked up from being in the food business. Then also I transitioned to a rep in the athletic footwear and apparel business. And then for the last 27 years, we've been doing the swag business. And in each place, we use the same process to cultivate new business. Number one, we determine who can buy what we sell. We develop that benefit statement that people don't buy features, they buy benefits. 
develop that one pager I was talking to you about. You know, how are you going to have that first coffee meeting and tell you tell somebody exactly what you can do for them? And then how do you build your list of those people? We focus on more of a micro marketing approach. We don't do broad reach stuff. We don't do spray and pray, you might call it. We're not business to consumer, we're business to business. So we want to know who our ideal client is and right down to the type of person that we want to work with. And then we structure get, keep, and grow campaigns, which are your friends, your family, your business associates, the group you meet, and the group you buy. Now, the group you meet are the ones where your referral sources are going to come from first. So we like to focus mainly on those because when you go to the third, you are getting into that spray and pray deal. This stage of our lives, age does have its privileges. You do know people and you've serviced people. So you go back to those people and who do you know? Whatnot. But the key to it is that you have to have a structured, we believe in, this, in the theory of seven. I've never seen it printed anywhere. I've never seen it on the internet anywhere. But if you ask any salesperson or business, about, it takes seven significant touches in order to get somebody's attention. I don't know how many it takes digitally, but I know seven significant touches the way that we do it. And so we, you have to have that structured for all the groups. And they may, it may be different. I mean, you may not sp- spend the 50 or $75 on your family and friends. You may send them the one cheater in an envelope with a pen and say, hey, this is what I'm doing or whatever it is. If you go and meet somebody at a cocktail party or a business association meeting to give them your little elevator pitch, your 30-second commercial, whatever it is you want to call it, your value prop, if it's even parlance these times, what's the structured way you're going to follow up with them? If they express some interest, because just because they thought, geez, Chris, I like what you're doing there. Don't be thinking they're waiting for your phone call the next day. Right. To get them in process because it's going to be, it's going to be the same structure. You may only take three or four steps to get to them, but you have to be prepared for the whole deal. Well, I think I really connect with the philosophies that you're basing your business approach on. (laughs) You made a comment that one of the privileges of being a little bit older, a little more advanced and more experienced is you know what you're doing, but you're also ready to share. And I think that's why you are at this juncture in your career evolution with your book, with your messages. And we are now at the point where we'd like to get some of your takeaways on specifically reinvention, because that's who is listening to this show. And I just recently listened to um, a Mel Robbins podcast where she talked about what it takes to begin the process. And she said, whether your life is flying by, which happens to all of us, or dragging forward where you feel more on autopilot, you can't reinvent yourself until you come to a complete stop, pull over, turn the engine off, take a pause, get perspective. That's the secret to reinvention. So I'm specifically asking your reaction to that as we get some advice from you for people that are looking for a second act, building their runway. Well, guess what I bought? Yeah. I went back to the well and bought another one of these. Oh, look at that. The Think and Grow It Workbook, Napoleon Hill. So structured, it worked really well for us in our business. And so I put that together because I need a process, that guidance. But simple. I don't think there's anything complex in Napoleon Hill. I don't think the four agreements are complex. I don't think happiness advantage is complex. It's certainly proven out to be winners. Dale Carnegie, all these little gems you can get. Get your process down. First of all, you have to have some desire, which I'm stealing right out of Napoleon Hill right now. What's your desire? What's your plan to get after it? You have to have some sort of steps to go after that. 
each one of the successes I've had. And oh, by the way, I've had a couple of swings and misses. It's fair. Who hasn't? Those swings and misses were where I got off process and procedures and didn't do the things that I espouse in Park Tips. A positive activity approach, anything you can do. So if you have an opportunity to finish up what you're doing and all the while get some of the grunt work done about what you're going to go forward with. And I'll give you an example of that. When I was in the food business and a friend of mine came and offered me the job in the athletic footwear and apparel business, I was doing very well in the food business, but I saw the cap. This guy came to me, he says, I've got a territory for you. And I knew they were successful and they were making money. I was going to be in the athletic footwear and apparel business. Right. Why, why not give it a go? But when my day was done in the food business at 2.30, because that's the last time you could get an order in, it was going to be shipped the next day. I sat at my kitchen table in our little one bedroom apartment in Malden, Massachusetts, and mapped out my territory from all the information I received for the new opportunity. I got my samples. I organized them. It felt like I was hitting the ground running and not having to start from jump. So I had some momentum going in and I knew what I was going to do. I was going to do what I just exactly done the last 18 months to build the food territory. And that was show up, be nice, be organized, be on time, look good, be courteous, be kind. All those simple things that hold, well, that guy could sell ice to the Eskimos. I don't like that. And I can tell them a mile away. Well, it just, it's not authentic. Yeah. No. You also need to get to know what their needs are. Mm -hmm. At least in in this case, both cases, I could walk into the buildings and drop stuff off. So I could at least introduce myself. That's going to make this venture successful is the same thing that made all those other things successful. Totally. Yeah. So bar tips, everything I needed to know in sales, I learned behind the bar by Neil Rogers. Everyone needs to go out and check that one out. And Rogers Marketing, where should we send people online to learn more about it? Rogers Marketing is rogmark.net, R-O-G-M-A-R-K.net. If they'd like to read more about positive activity, that is positiveactivity.net. Oh, there you go. Neil, thanks so much. I really enjoyed this. Thanks again for uh, sharing your story and your wisdom. Krista, thank you. It It was great. Enjoyed it. This is Bucket List Careers. I'm Krista Laurie. Thanks so much for joining me. We'll be back on Thursday with a brand new episode. Be well. An ironic media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean a cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New 
new episodes of Fly on the Wallin drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallin wherever you get your podcasts.